Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Here to set you free, I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome to the only true democracy in talk radio of, for, and by you, the people. Happy hump day. More than a pleasure to have with us uh, in this hour, Nicholas Wapshot. Nicholas is opinion editor of Newsweek. He's also an author. His newest book is titled The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and The Road to World War II. His book is available at www.wwnorton.com forward slash books and amazon.com. Always a pleasure to have him with us. Don't think he's been on yet in the new year. Happy hump day. Welcome uh, to the program, Nicholas, and happy new year. I've missed you, my buddy. I've missed you too, Leslie. It's been a very long New Year already, hasn't it? Yes. It's only 15 yes. days or something, but my goodness, it seems like three months. Yeah, I went to my doctor and asked for some kind of medication to put me to sleep for four years, but he said he couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't put me to sleep for four years and wake me up when it's over, you know. Uh, <laughs> I get, you know, like that Wham song, Wake Me Up Before You Go Go, right? Um, yeah. The um, efforts of the Republicans um, are obviously no surprise to many that one of the things they want to do, and even before Donald Trump is inaugurated at the end of the week and truly is president, is repeal the Affordable Care Act. Um, interestingly, there are now more concerns among insurance agencies, certainly concerns among those who have the insurance, nearly 20 million um, who signed up for Obamacare, and looking just at numbers that repealing the Affordable Care Act could raise costs and raise the number of the uninsured. And this isn't just something Democrats are saying. It's not just pol- uh, partisan. It's actually a new report, right? There's a report that came out showing that um, – that's only part of the equation, which is that a repeal of Obamacare without any policy for transition or reforms to address cost uh, and empower patients, um, it's just going to be so disastrous. Republicans supporting repealing Obamacare and implementing step-by-step reforms so that Americans have access to affordable health care. There is no replacement bill that's been uh, produced yet. Um, Republicans say they have plans. We'd love to see one. Of course, uh, President-elect Donald Trump constantly says he has things that we never see. Will this be suicide politically for Republicans? Uh, In brief, I think it will, because the only thing that you can replace Obamacare with is another version of Obamacare. And uh, the difference is, of course, is that it'll be called Trumpcare, and the Republicans will own it. That means that anything to do with health care that goes wrong, the Republicans will own. Uh, for the last eight years, or at least uh, seven years uh, since Obamacare has been in, uh, the Democrats have taken the blame for every last thing that went wrong. Uh, every time that people had to switch their doctors, every time that the premiums went up, they got blamed. Now the Republicans are going to own it. And the fact is, as you're quite right, it's, they haven't got a plan. The original plan, by the way, Obamacare, which was also uh, Mitt Romney care, uh, came out of Heritage, which is a conservative think tank. Uh, Everybody ran miles away from it when Obama adopted, or the Democrats adopted this. By the way, I think Obamacare is is not a good system. I think that Bill Clinton, uh, President Bill Clinton, was absolutely right, saying it's a sort of disastrous sort of system in many ways, because all it did was to uh, oblige people to buy a product from an insurance company. That is not the way that in the rest of the civilized world people uh, distribute health care. 
it's like Medicare, extending Medicaid. You, it just comes out of direct taxation. Uh, and there are faults to that, too. There's, there's, there's no great way. The fact is that the free market can't deal with health care very easily. Uh, it's fine for rich people. It's not good for uh, poor people because health care is very, very expensive. And whatever they replace Obamacare with will be just as loathsome as Obamacare was to people who don't like Obamacare. So you're right, Leslie. It's that they lose whichever the way. They, how many times? A hundred and more times They're very hesitant about doing it. Uh, the president is at odds with them. The president wants uh, uh, President Trump wants uh, Obamacare to be repealed and the new Trump Care to be put in place at the same moment, simultaneously, is the way that he says it. It's immensely difficult uh, to do such a thing, not least because, as you pointed out so clearly. Uh, the Republicans are totally divided about what to do next. Many of them wouldn't mind if actually if the 20, people, 20 million people who have Obamacare at the moment uh, are left without any form of coverage at all. And by the way, we'll all be losers if it goes back to the, uh, the system before Obamacare when uh, people who couldn't afford any health care just went straight to the A&E and got themselves fixed. And that's the most expensive way ever to deal with health, and it's paid for by everybody who supports hospitals, which is all the people that have health care insurance. So it's costly, whichever way you look at it. It's politically potentially disastrous. I would be, uh, well, I'd be amazingly impressed if they managed to pull it off with a sort of gear change uh, that no one noticed. I think it's going to be a great crunching of gears, and everybody's going to know that something terrible has happened, and uh, not least the people who find themselves with insurance that they can't afford uh, or insurance that they used to have and now will no longer be able to get through the exchanges. Well, you know, and this it doesn't it doesn't even address the Medicaid expansion. When uh, pre- when President Obama said, "If you like your doctor, you can keep it," I think he meant that he was well intentioned, but didn't know that insurance companies would scrap so many plans and change so many plans, which the insurance companies didn't have to do. We're going to be taking a break, but I would love when we come back, uh, Nicholas, um, for you to answer a couple of things. One, President Elect says that you know. Nobody's going to lose coverage. Everybody's going to lose coverage. Um, is he lying? You know, is that really possible when you don't have a plan, you know, in place and you don't have a plan to cover the gap, uh, that transition? Uh, just looking at how hard it was to set up the exchanges and all the snafus with that and all the problems with Social Security and Medicare when it, at its inception. Um You know, does Donald Trump have to put the crack pipe down, if you will? We'll be back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Nicholas Wapshot. Back after this. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome. Yes. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. And we welcome back Nicholas Wapshot, opinion editor of Newsweek, author of The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and The Road to World War II. Get it at Amazon and www.wwnorton.com forward slash books. Uh, so, Nicholas, um, is Donald Trump, you know, blowing smoke up all our butts when he says, you know, nobody will be without insurance. You know, there'll, there'll, there'll be no gaps. Everybody will be insured. Nobody will lose their coverage. Impossible, correct? 
I think it's going to be very difficult. Very, very difficult indeed. And of course, uh, he has a different sort of view about the truth to the rest of us. So I don't really blame him as a liar, because I'm not sure that he sort of sets out to mislead people, because uh, he does in many respects. But in this case, I think that he really hopes that it's possible that there's a system that sort of seamlessly goes from the old system into the new Trump care. But it ain't going to happen. We know that uh, this is some of the more complex uh, legislation that's uh, ever come before Congress, you know. And to unpick it and then to replace it with something near identical is, uh, well, first of all, it's a waste of time, largely. Uh, they would be much better off taking Obamacare and amending it rather than uh, going back to a greenfield site and building all over again on it. Uh, there are going to be lots of people hurt in this, and they're going to scream very loudly. And the people who will get blamed are the Republicans, who won't like it. Uh, but there you are. They, they set out to... Because, first of all, they named uh, the Affordable Care Act after Obama. They nicknamed it Obama Care, which, of course, Obama then took a sort of red badge of courage and started calling it Obamacare himself. But it was absolutely the same uh, problem that the Republicans had with Obama all along. They don't like him for reasons which are sort of self-evident if you look at a photograph of Obama. They don't like a man like Obama being their president. They tried to smear the whole of the health care by calling it Obamacare, and now what can they do but to get rid of it and replace it with Trump care? But it's not going to be easy. It's going to be very painful, very hurtful, uh, and... Uh, they're going to suffer as a result. It's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, one of the great things about this great, great nation is the fact that democracy continues. There's never an end to it, and in which case we are already fighting the midterms. So the battle over the replacement for Obamacare will be the number one topic in two years' time when we go to vote uh, it, about who we should have in the Congress. And all of those uh, people who lined up in order to get rid of Obamacare and replace it with what they hope is going to be better are going to find that what they, the replacement is every bit as uh, disheveled and uncomfortable to them as Obamacare was, except that now they own it. So they're going to they're going to have some trouble. Well, like you said, this is not going to be this is not a repealed plan or a replaced plan. It is a plan that they're keeping the best parts of and getting rid of some of the parts they're uncomfortable with. Uh, The bill that the budget office analyzed would have eliminated tax penalties for people who go without insurance, and it would also have eliminated spending for the expansion of Medicaid and subsidies that help lower-income people buy private insurance. But the bill did, like you had mentioned earlier, uh, preserved requirements for insurers to provide coverage at standard rates to any applicant, regardless of pre-existing medical conditions. Now, something Republicans don't want you to know, and definitely Trump and his people— is that there was an analysis done, and you know, released by the Congressional Budget Office, which is a nonpartisan entity. And the new Obamacare repeal analysis done by the CBO found, one, that 18 million would lose insurance in the first year. And by the way, when this is just as much not about not just about facts and uh, being literal, but there's semantics involved here, too, because, There are people out there who say, well, I lost my doctor. Well, no. I'll give you an example. Me. I had had and had and I have and had Anthem Blue Cross. I didn't lose my doctors. I lost my plan because Blue Cross did away with it. 
the plan I have. I have all the same doctors. So somebody could technically argue I lost my doctor, but I picked him right back up with the new plan. Uh, So 18 million people would lose insurance in the first year. How many of those people uninsured would remain that way that long? Still, it would make Donald Trump, Kellyanne Conway, Paul Ryan, and others who maintain that no one will lose insurance um, out to be uh, liars, as everybody called President Obama when he had said, uh, you won't lose your doctor, you don't have to change doctors. Premiums will double by 2026, and 32 million will lose insurance by the year um, uh, by the year, I think, uh, 2020, because we're past the year, uh, 2010. Um, so the, the bottom line is this is not going to make things better. And all the polls show that majority of people don't want this plan to be scrapped. They want it to be improved using the good points and keeping the good points. But that's not what this Obamacare repeal analysis shows by the CPO, CBO, does it? No, it doesn't. Uh, you're quite right about the polling, too. Uh, sure, Obamacare, and I'm not surprised because it had a relentless uh, barrage of abuse uh, against it for the last seven years. But the fact is that uh, people have come around to working out that it's actually, it's not a great plan, but it's as good a plan as you can probably get unless you actually started to amend it intelligently. But, of course, the reform and repeal and replace uh, notion from the Republicans isn't about that, and not least when you have a president-elect who's been saying, let's save all the good bits and let's get rid of all the bad bits. Well, the good bits, like allowing your kids to stay on your insurance till they're 26, it's an expensive thing to do. All of the things, pre-existing conditions, great idea, it's the expensive thing to do. So Trump wants to keep all of the expensive bits, and the bits that he doesn't like are, well, they're the bits that actually are paying for it all. They're the, uh, they're the federal taxation, which subsidizes for people who can't really afford health insurance. Uh, the alternative is what? To allow people who can't, which is what happened up until recently, to, if you couldn't afford it, uh, health insurance, you just died younger, you had more ailments, you gave more ailments to other people. Uh, instead of uh, going to a doctor under your own plan, you would uh, muscle in on other people's plans in the accident and emergency, which is horribly expensive. Yeah. And, uh, and also, the worst way to deal with any ailment, too, is to go to the A&E. You'll get fixed, all right, but it'll take you many, many hours. Much better if you actually have a proper health plan. So, Trump has promised the earth, as he's promised the earth, by the way, in every single facet of life that he's spoken about. He's, he's, uh, I mean, it's not that he's optimistic about any of this stuff. He's purely cynical. He's promised everybody the best bits of everything and the worst bits will all get abolished in every field that he goes into. It includes foreign affairs and everything else he's doing. It's naive for people to assume that, uh, I mean, if you take everybody for suckers that he listens we listen to him and think, oh, well, that must be okay. I don't know why anybody didn't do it that way in the first place. It's because it's a jumble. It's a mess. As he will discover, that people like Paul Ryan are going to have to draw up a list of things which are actually practical, things that are possible to get through the Congress. Or they're going to be started passing their own legislation, and either Trump is contradicted in his plans uh, by saying that all of the things that he's promised won't come about, or worse, I guess he's going to have to veto the plan. Now, that also is possible. <laughs> we are watching a sort of civil war going on in the Republican Party at the moment, you know. They, after all, Trump was not a, a, a Republican, and he hijacked the party, 
uh, as we saw from all of those uh, leaders waiting it in turn, those, those wretched men who all thought that they could be president of the United States if only they hung around in the Republican Party long enough. He missed 12 of them in a row. He abused them. He took over the party. He brought into it a lot of voters who have never voted Republican in their life. And uh, he is parodying uh, the words of the uh, conservative uh, majorities in the Senate and the House. And they know full well that they were very often saying things for rhetorical reasons only, not to be taken seriously. Uh, but actually, Trump has now promised that they will bring about a, a new dawn, a, a new heaven on earth. It's going to be fascinating to watch it. Uh, and the only people can benefit from this, of course, first of all, it's going to be very painful for everybody. But uh, the people who will gain are the Democrats who if they can hold themselves in a line together and oppose solidly everything that Trump and the Republicans do, then they're going to get a good bounce. And by two years' time, uh, they may well do very well, in the, it's certainly in the Senate, and uh, in, uh, less so in the House, probably. But it's, it's, it's worth a shot. You cannot imagine what it's going to feel like in two years' time, when you've had two years of trying to uh, turn Trump's ludicrous promises into action. There's going to be disappointment all around, because he's... I mean, you can't promise the world to everybody and expect that everybody is going to be pleased about it, because it is impossible to do. This is, it's the world of difference between genuine politics, which is uh, to do with compromising, is to do with finding the, the best way through a tangled field, and uh, the sort of uh, <laughs> entertainer who can go on TV and make all sorts of bold statements but never has to live with the results. Well, now he's going to have to. We're going to have to, too, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt a lot of us. Uh, oh. But uh, in which case, the, the obvious thing to do is never to be taken for a sucker again. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, uh, no, no question about it. Um, we're going to have to uh, take a break and then we'll uh, be back with Nicholas. By the way, the website for Newsweek, where he is opinion editor, um, is Newsweek.com. Follow him on Twitter at NWAPSHOT. That's at N-W-A-P-S-H-O-T-T. And his book, like I said, is titled The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationists, and The Road to World War II. His book is available at not only Amazon.com, but also www.www.com. Norton.com forward slash books. I'm Leslie Marshall. Always more to come on the only true democracy in talk radio. of the Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, the Isolationist, and the Road to World War II. Happy Hump Day. Nicholas, thank you for holding and welcome back. We do have some other things that we uh, want to talk about, um, but I just want to cover um, a little bit more 
um, about uh, health care. Um, do you feel that the report by the CBO is likely to slow efforts to dismantle the current uh, legislation, the Affordable Care Act? Because, you know, the president-elect and the Republican lawmakers say they intend to remake the law and have not agreed on a replacement. So is this report likely to slow those efforts down or, or no, because they, they don't accept what the CBO's findings are? That, that's, I think, the, the latter is the truth. The, uh, the CBO is an amazingly good non-partisan organization that costs things for people. Uh, so any plan that you, any mad plan that you have, any good plan you have, you can put it through the CBO and they'll tell you exactly what happens. If you have a tax plan, they've, they've measured what they guess anyway, is, uh, is going to be the outcome of, of, uh, of putting those things into effect. Now, one of the problems is, of course, with uh, people like Trump, is, of course, they have tended to dismiss any expertise. Uh, this is true in global warming. It's true in all of the, the traditional uh, science-denying uh, elements uh, that have come about in the conservative movement in the last uh, 10 to 20 years, where... I mean, even, even gravity is something which they deny. It's uh, very tricky. So when the CBO arrives and says, look, it's going to cost this much, of course it won't really uh, affect them because what they're doing has got nothing to do with practice or good practice or good politics. It's got everything to do with imposing an ideology on, on the rest of us, uh, which in their wisdom of less than half the country, or less than half of the country that voted anyway, far less than half the country altogether, uh, chose that in, on November the 8th. It's going to be, uh, it's going, well, why would they ever take any notice of the CBO? The CBO always brings them bad news because they want, uh, they want something for nothing all the time. And the CBO points out the, the problems about uh, changing, uh, for instance, uh, Trump's tax plan, riddled with holes. Uh, it, I mean, it strikes me you can't have simultaneously uh, a tax plan that cuts corporation tax, cuts tax for the richest people above all. Then he said cuts tax for middle-class people even more than Ronald Reagan, and at the same time, not increasing the deficit. It's just impossible. And yet, all of these incompatible things are what uh, was promised to the people on November 8th, and a lot of people took him at his word and imagined somehow that uh, the, the realists uh, that have been running the country for all of these years uh, were denying them something which was absolutely easy to bring about. After all, as far as Trump's concerned, if he says it, it's going to happen. Well, the great thing about Friday, there are many bad things about it, like we're going to have President Trump, but the great thing about Friday is that from Friday on, it's all Trump's fault. He owns everything, and it's going to be spectacular to watch him as he wriggles on the hook, as, uh, as people jeer and laugh at his, his ludicrous means of trying to bring into operation uh, I wouldn't call them lies, because they, they weren't intended uh, to lie in a traditional sense. It's not as if he knew he was lying. It's just it's the naivety of him is just beyond measure, that you can just wander into a room and promise everybody in the room exactly what they have in mind. It's like Santa Claus, you know, granting every child who sits on his lap in a department store probably they don't do that anymore, but uh, promising the child something that the parents couldn't possibly afford. It's not helping anybody. And uh, it's being uh, this sort of wishful thinking Pollyanna, uh, it's a, an implausible role for Trump to take. And uh, we'll soon find out that uh, CBA, notwithstanding, expertise in itself 
is now something that this administration, coming administration, dislikes. They dislike scientists. They dislike experts. They dislike economists. They dislike all. They dislike the so-called liberal elite. The elite are people who have, for the most part, spend a great deal of their own money and uh, and years of their life in order to improve their brains, in order to acquire an expertise which will allow them to make good decisions about things and manage the country properly. When you dismiss all of those people as being a, a, a liberal elite, uh, what you're doing is to uh, really confound the truth about how the world spins. And now he's going to find that at his back he has a lot of ignoramuses who were too silly to choose a, a, a choice which actually could bear fruit. Instead, they chose Mr. Trump. And ranged against him is the whole of the Democratic Party, the whole of the professional class, and at least half of the Republican Party. The person who's holding up to replace uh, and uh, remove Obamacare more than anyone else is Rand Paul, a Republican senator. Sure, he's got libertarian leanings, but libertarianism doesn't necessarily suggest that you do without health care. What he knows, because he's the son of a doctor, he's a doctor himself, is that actually if you cut 20 people out of the system, 20 million people out of the system, how long is it before you can put them back into uh, the healthcare system under their own steam? He's saying it's got to be done at the same time. You don't need very many of those because they haven't got a very large, they've got a 51 out of 100, uh, which is not a very large majority into the Senate. So if you add, uh, you, well, Rand Paul, but you add maybe half a dozen other people who are wobbling about uh, what they're going to do to the people who have elected them to represent them. I mean, conscientious, good Republicans. They're the people who are actually going to undermine uh, Trump in the end. And uh, I think that actually Democrats should be very grateful for good, moderate Republicans for doing the decent thing and putting their own intelligence and patriotism and their care for their fellow Americans above some sort of ideological uh, joke that has been made up by Donald Trump on the back of an envelope somewhere in Trump Tower. I love the way that you put that. I'm not even going to touch that. I love the way that you put that. Uh, let's talk about another issue. Um, and, and let's talk about polls. They were very wrong uh, during the campaign, obviously, that led up to the election. The undecideds really were decided. Didn't want to admit. To me, it's sort of like if you're voting for somebody and you're so afraid of what people think of you for admitting you vote for them, maybe you should have voted for them. But anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> Donald Trump will be entering office as the most unpopular president in at least 40 years, uh, a new ABC News Washington Post poll uh, finds. Does this matter because of, uh, you know, polls and, you know, when somebody, you know, enters or, or leaves office? Uh, does this matter? Um, it perhaps shouldn't matter in a way because of good governance. The fact is that you should be allowed, particularly in the first year of your presidency, you should be allowed to take really difficult decisions that won't make you popular. And then you try to recover in the following three years to see whether you can't get re-elected. But actually, of course it matters, because we live in a democracy which really cares about whether the people are on the side of the president. And anyone who is newly elected usually has a very large pile of political capital that takes them way over the 50% that they uh, 
benefited from by winning the election. And people give them, you know, Americans are very fair. They give everybody the benefit of the doubt. They give them a chance. They, they say, well, you know, the decision's been made. I didn't agree with it, but let's see how it works out. When you start underwater already, and when you know full well that you are going to have to disappoint people, by the 100,000 every week, as every plan that you bring about is shown to be threadbare, just nonsense, just a, a promise made a, a, on a whim in order to get a few extra votes, then I think that it really does matter. And there's going to be a sort of slow hand clap from the American people as uh, Trump, uh, week by week and month by month, digs himself further into the mire. I've got absolutely no optimism at all that any of the things that Trump said are going to do any good for America. That's one of the problems. I think that uh, all of this foreign policy, for instance, suggests that actually we're going to be closer to war than, than we'd like to be. One of the reasons that Obama was so reluctant to get involved in places like Syria, much to the chagrin of people like me, by the way, who really wished he'd stuck up for his red line. Was I'm with you there. I am with you there. It was that he was elected uh, on the back of Two unnecessary wars, so-called, in Afghanistan and Iraq, taken by George W. Bush. Everybody lives in the lead and the shadow of the person they've just deposed. And Trump is in the shadow of someone who took it easy on foreign adventures abroad, not because he was an isolationist. On the contrary, he thought that American idealism should have inspired the rest of the world. But what he was reluctant to do, because Americans had made, and he was elected on the back of Americans, disgust with an unnecessary war in Iraq. And so Trump is now in this weird position where he is a, an isolationist. He really is putting America first. And he's upsetting Everybody in the world, all of our allies in NATO, the European Union, there could be no closer uh, body of Democrats, by which I mean Democratic people, Democratic voting people in the world than the European Union. And he's already missed them, and he isn't even the president yet. And it, every field that you look at across the whole range of things that Trump has promised, each one is likely to do badly for the American people. It'll do very well for the super-rich, by the way, which is, uh, you know, there'll be a small number of people who will no doubt be pleased. But uh, for the general middle-class American, be, let's talk again in a year's time and see whether they're better off. I don't think their wages will have improved. I don't think he will have opened a new factory. I don't think that he, even with bullying, he won't keep uh, American companies to maintain factories where the labor force is too expensive. Uh, he's going to impose tariffs on our neighbors. Uh, and, it, and, if he do, and if he does that, um, if, if, if he does that, we know that could cause a trade war and that could really screw uh, the American and perhaps even worldwide economy. We'll be back with you, Nicholas. Hang tight. One more segment here after this quick break. I'm Leslie Marshall. This is your show of Foreign by You, the people, the only true democracy in talk radio. Hang tight.
We are back with Nicholas Wapshot, opinion editor at Newsweek Magazine, author and friend of mine and the show. Nicholas, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Let's talk about this um, poll and break it down a little bit more. Uh, Expectations. Um, Even though Trump is going into this presidency with weak ratings, there are high expectations of him on some issues. And you touched upon some of those just uh, a moment ago. Six in ten Americans polled. Expect him to do an excellent or good job on the economy because it is the economy, stupid, and that's why most people say they elected him. And on jobs uh, alike, which goes under the umbrella of the economy, 56% expect him to do well in handling terrorism. And those are the two areas in which he got people to vote for him strongly and in which he has to deliver. Now, you touched upon the economy. Let's touch upon terrorism. Um, get out your crystal ball, Nicholas. Four <laughs> years from now, I fear, but well, I want to have a robust economy, but I fear that the economy we will have in four years will be largely due to the work of the past eight, yet Trump will take credit for it. I do fear that there will be more terrorist attacks here and worldwide because of the rhetoric, attitude, and just talking about things like registries and bans that does not help our relationship with the Muslim world, which is the fastest growing religion in the world. Yeah, I think it's uh, you're on a hiding to nothing if you're going to start uh, predicting as president-elect that there's going to be that you're going to lick terrorists or that ISIS is going to be a thing of the past. Uh, part of the thing about terrorism, after all, is the surprise that it has. Uh, this is a man who has his name plastered over buildings all around the world. Uh, even if he managed to rid ISIS from Syria, let's say that by in cahoots with some of the most evil men on earth, that is Vladimir Putin and Assad, the dictator of Syria, say they managed to militarily squeeze and destroy ISIS, that only means that the same radical Islamic terrorists are going to start working on their own outside of the country, as they are in Turkey, as they have done in Paris, as they have done in Germany. Uh, So this is a multi-headed snake. You can cut as many heads off, but still something is going to be there to bite you. So I think it's very rash for him to make predictions about it. Of course, nobody wants such a thing. One of the great successes, by the way, of Obama is that there have been very few, uh, except the odd lone wolf, there's been very few uh, attacks on uh, Americans, let alone on American soil for eight years. So somebody in the intelligence agencies have been doing their job properly. If you undermine the agencies of uh, spying, the people who keep an eye on, uh, the people who are likely to flip and turn into killers because of some misguided understanding of what uh, Islam is about, then uh, you're going to end up with, uh, uh, I I guess, a a more dangerous America than we'd like to live in. And uh, so he's, he's sat out on absolutely the wrong track already. He's trashed the military, uh, all the generals. He's found a few generals who were happy to take jobs, but for how long, we don't know. But he's trashed the generals in general, and he's uh, trashed all of the spy agencies, 19 spy agencies he contradicted when he said it for so long that uh, 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 he's... uh, 
I, I think I think he's just hiding to nothing. I mean, he, he's just uh, driving people crazy by the way he's uh, undermining the foundations, the institutions that have kept us safe for so long. And so, if he's predicting that there's going to be less terrorism, I think that's a very rash thing to say. As I say, talking about this uh, topic at all is is uh, very uncomfortable because almost anything that you suggest uh, is likely to come true. Uh, but I would certainly be more anxious if I was an American living abroad with President Trump in the White House than President Obama in the White House. I think that there was a sense that Obama had understood what the rest of the world was saying, that it was very often America makes decisions at short notice without thinking through properly what to do, and that Iraq was a prime example of that, and the breaking of Iraq, uh, not that, not that uh, either of us, I'm sure, are in favor of Saddam Hussein maintaining his miserable rule there, but by destroying Iraq in the way that he destroyed it, by breaking all of civil society, by not having a plan for the peace, only having a plan for the war, George W. Bush introduced into the world a rash of a new wave of terrorism, which Obama has managed to sit upon but not subside. Uh, but tough talk is not in it. That's not how you deal with terrorists. Uh, what, what you actually have to do is to do very stealthy, very well-planned, intelligent appraisal of, uh, of how the organizations work and then and quietly remove them as they have done with drones and so on. Uh, if, if Trump is going to move away from that softly, softly approach into something uh, much more dramatic and much more loud mouth, then he's going to invite exactly the sort of thing that he thinks he can get rid of by talking. Uh, a couple of things here. With regard to terrorism, there are a few things that people found attractive, at least some who voted for him. Even some of those were former Democrats or independents or people who wouldn't normally vote Republican or left-leaning Republicans. A wall, whether they believe Mexico was going to pay for it or not. Some a registry, some a ban. Think any of those three things will happen in the next four years? <laughs> uh, I I think that uh, he, there's so much opposition within uh, the Republican Party and within senior Republicans to the Muslim ban or the Muslim registry, that is plainly con- unconstitutional, by the way, uh, so that even if he imposed it, it would in- instantly be put into abeyance, and then you'd have to wait for the Supreme Court eventually to rule on it. So, uh, you know, that ain't going to happen very soon. Building a wall, I guess that he might well um, make some sort of uh, public relations uh, the stunt where he goes down there with a lot of bricklayers and they spend, you know, a week building a wall, a part of the wall very fast, and then he'll disappear. I can't imagine genuinely that he's going to build the wall that he... Um, the people who voted for him saying there should be a wall, what they imagine the wall to be is impossible. The terrain is impossible for the wall. It is far too long. It would be like building a wall between Canada and us. I mean, it would be futile and stupid. Uh, will he do it? I, as I say, I think that he might put on a show of doing it. Or, I don't know, I mean, of course, the absurd thing about the wall altogether is that the very thing that he's anxious about has already been and gone. It's subsided. The great uh, rush of people northwards out of Mexico to find work uh, has gone the other way around. There are actually more jobs in Mexico for people uh, than in America, and so which is yep. so there's actually been a net outflow of people. We also uh, use, we also use here in Southern California as they do in Texas. 
uh, a number of uh, Mexicans, Mexican labor for jobs that Americans don't want to do. I mean, very no. physically back-breaking job, back jobs. You know I love you, buddy, and I thank you for being uh, with me here on the show. As always, we'll have you back on again soon. We're out of time. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Nicholas Wapshot. Follow him on Twitter at nwapshot, N-W-A-P-S-H-O-T-T. Read his stuff at newsweek.com and get his book, The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist and the Road to World War II, Amazon.com or www.wwnorton.com forward slash books is the place to find it.